The story you're about to hear was told to me in the strictest of confidence. Certain names, dates and locations have been changed to protect that confidence. Events that feature in this story may be part of the public record. If you believe you recognise any of the people, places or events that appear in this story, ask you not to reveal any information publicly, out of respect for the subject's right to remain anonymous. is David Paul Nixon, and this is the New Ghost Stories Podcast, where we delve into the New Ghost Stories archive to hear new and classic cases of the supernatural. Stories that could be delusions, lies, fantasies, or perhaps even the real thing. Just don't make your mind up until you've listened. I rather hope that ghosts are not proof that there is life after death. Because who would want the life of a ghost? To exist only in part, a literal shadow of your former self, stuck forever in a loop, performing the same actions over and over again, perhaps indefinitely, forever. Obsessed over something that happened while you were alive. To be like a broken record, constantly repeating, never able to let the pain go, never able to move on, to just be trapped in the same place. It seems like an existence worse than death. There have been times in my life when I've been wronged, cheated, and felt myself burning up with righteous anger and resentment, where I've found myself involved in a conflict, the victim of an injustice I simply could not put right. And in the worst of these situations, one of the worst times in my life, I had to work hard to let it go and let myself move on, to accept that life is short and that I would lose even more by not allowing myself to let it go. But the way that we understand ghosts is that they're tethered to this world because of something they can't let go. Some tragedy, some great wrong, some desire for revenge. And because of that, they're trapped. And years, decades, perhaps even centuries may pass and they remain, walking the same path, performing the same actions, endlessly, sometimes seen, most of the time hidden, forgotten. Ghosts never seem to be lingering for positive reasons, rarely because of a great love or some great unfinished obsession. There are no great philosopher ghosts, rattling chains and passing through walls as they continue their unfinished work defining the meaning of life and the universe. There are no great ghost composers finishing the great symphony which they ran out of time to complete when they were alive. Ghosts are never doing anything productive. It's always the same great burning anger, bitterness, hatred that keeps them tied up here. I would rather pass into nothingness than be tethered. Keep a mindset where things, no matter how bad they get, only get to take up so much of my available time because life is too short, and I don't want to waste it. Try not to focus on how bad things are, but to always put things into perspective, prioritise what's valuable, and live a life focused on that, and not to waste it on other things. It's easy to say, it's not so easy to do, 
but the last thing I would want is to look back when I'm old and regret the amount of time I wasted on the things that didn't enrich my life. And if I get things right, don't expect to see me again after I die. I sincerely hope that when I'm gone, that I leave no ghost behind. This is New Ghost Stories case number 414, and it's called Travel Safely, and you can hear it in full, uninterrupted, after these messages. I admit I kind of enjoyed it when the kids didn't want to come with me to take the dog for a walk on the weekend. I could take a quiet, uninterrupted stroll to the park. I could let Monty off his lead, let him roam the woods and chuck a stick for him in peace. I could go sit at a table on the green and enjoy a quiet coffee, maybe an ice cream. Sometimes I'd read for a little bit and drag it out before having to make my way back home. On one early summer day, it was a Sunday afternoon, I think, I was walking along the main road on the way home. I hadn't put Monty back on his lead yet. Normally, he's very well behaved and only walks a little in front of me. I was daydreaming and saw that he'd walked into the road and was sniffing at something in the gutter. I shouted at him and he guiltily trotted back onto the pavement. Out of curiosity, I looked to see what he'd been sniffing at. To my surprise, I saw a set of car keys. Someone must have dropped them. The horror. Going to your car, finding your keys are gone, then searching frantically for them. Thinking about all the places you might have dropped them. You probably wouldn't think about finding them in some gutter. They must have slipped out of someone's bag. I picked them up. The keys had a Volvo logo on them, along with a clicker and a Liverpool FC keyring. I pointed the clicker up the street and down the street and at some of the cars parked nearby. None seemed to react to it. I had a go at knocking on the door of the house closest by and then the next one. I didn't get an answer from either. There wasn't anything else I could do, so I put them in my pocket and I took them home with me. Could you get a locksmith for your car if you were stuck somewhere? Hopefully they had a spare set. I could hear the kids fighting as soon as I was through the door, something to do with burning villagers in Minecraft. My wife, Katja, had spent the morning baking. She bakes cakes as a side hustle, and had made a small army of cupcakes for guests at a work event. You've been a long time. I thought you were mowing the lawn this afternoon. I let Monty into the back garden and told her about the car keys. She looked at me with surprise. Why did you bring them with you? If they go looking for them now, they won't be able to find them. I couldn't just leave them there. Anybody could have taken them. You're anybody, and you've taken them. How will that help? I hadn't expected this. Well, I thought I could hand them in somewhere. Maybe to the police. You should put them on next door. This is the social app where Katya finds out where all the local food markets are happening, as well as whose parcels have gone missing and where all the dangerous-looking youths hang out. She sent me an invite so I could join. I found a general chat and posted, Hello, I found some car keys dropped in a gutter on Woodside Road. 
They're for a Volvo. If anyone has lost any keys in that area, let me know and I can arrange to get them back to you. Then I went outside to take the mower around the lawn. After I'd finished and cleared away the clippings, I went and checked my phone to see if anyone had responded. There was just one comment. Someone wrote that I should have left the keys where I found them, so whoever dropped them could find them. I put my phone on charge and went to drag Teddy away from the PlayStation to do his maths homework. Later I helped Katya box some of her cupcakes and prepared dinner as it was my turn to cook. There were no other comments or responses to my post, and no one ever came to claim the keys, so I just forgot about them. We were getting ready for our summer holiday. It was about a year later. It was literally the morning we were due to catch our flight. I had unfortunately to complete one more meeting with my line manager, Khalil, first thing in the morning. And Khalil never shuts up. There's no process he won't go through in excruciating detail. To prevent any delay, I'd stayed up late the night before to finish my packing and reassure Katya that I would definitely be ready on time. It was hard to stay awake while he was talking. Not that the noise in the house would have made it possible to sleep. I kept having to apologise for the shouting and stomping around in the background as Katya corralled the kids into getting ready. Where is it you're going? Khalil asked. Aruba, I said. Katya's sister and her husband went to Tenerife, so we had to outdo them. Oh dude, that sounds amazing. It had better be for what it's costing us. I heard Erica scream something at Katya and then slam her bedroom door. Yes, I could do with getting on the way. Sure, well, there's only one more thing I need to go over with you. And the bugger kept me on teams for another twenty minutes. When the chat was over, it was only 10.25, however. I had still finished way ahead of schedule. Erica and Katya were still fighting upstairs. I crept slowly downstairs so no one would hear, and I put a pod in the espresso machine. I could do with a pick-me-up. We had to leave by 11am to arrive at the airport before 12.30 to catch our flight at 2.20 stopping off on the way at 11.30 to drop Monty off at the kennel. I picked up my phone to check the traffic while I waited for the machine to brew. Everything was looking fine. I could hear Katya coming down the stairs as I poured. Do you only have the one adapter? She said, holding up a plug with multiple protracting parts. I think there's another one, I said. Surely you have some. I keep mine at my parents' where I need them. Did you check the cupboard under the wardrobe? Yes, of course I did. What about in your office, the big box where you have all the cables? I can have a look. There was an eruption from upstairs. Mom! Teddy, if you can't find the charger, you can't bring it with you. She marched back upstairs. I was just going to let them get on with it. I was all packed and ready. I wasn't going to let them stress me out. I lifted the cup to my nose. I took a second to savour the aroma. The front doorbell rang. I was so tempted to take the whole shot, but I put the cup down and went to answer it. Teddy was bumping a small suitcase down the stairs. Good work, Teddy, I said. Almost there. I reached the end of the hall, pressed down on the latch, 
and pulled the door open. Maybe it was a rush of air from outside. I remember feeling a sudden chill, even though it was a bright and pleasant day. The man in the doorway seemed like he was dressed for the cold. He was wearing a thick padded coat with the hood pulled up over his head. But even with that, the whiteness of his pallor still stood out. He was an unusually tall man, thin-faced, with a straggly brown beard that made him look older than he probably was. It felt like there was a frog in my throat all of a sudden. I felt it a little hard to speak. I tried to say, Hello, can I help you? Or something to that effect, but it came out a bit weird. We stood there staring at each other. And I didn't like him staring at me. He had small piercing pupils. I felt like they were shooting sniper beams at me. Keys, he said all of a sudden. I'm sorry, I said back to him. He swallowed and said slowly like a man with a stutter. I lost my keys. I think you found my keys. It had been so long ago that I had no idea what he was talking about. You'll have to excuse me, I don't... Keys, he said bluntly. You found my keys. The memory leapt back into gear. Car keys. Yes, my keys. Goodness, that was so long ago, I said. I've come for my car keys. Right, yes, okay, I said. I suppose you'd better come in. He took his step into the doorway immediately, unexpectedly. I had to move awkwardly out of his way, and then ease my way around him to close the door. There wasn't much space in the hall. Now that we were stood on the same level, I realised just how tall he was. I'm no short man, but it felt like this man was towering over me. He seemed to cast a very long shadow. I was distracted by a sound. Not a loud sound, but a persistent one. A tapping. I looked down. His coat was dripping on the floor. It was like he'd been caught in a heavy downpour, and I was sure it hadn't rained all morning. I heard the pitter-patter of Monty's paws on the floor. He cheerfully approached the stranger with a light bark and his tongue hanging out. He stopped a few feet from him. His ears fell back. He withdrew his tongue and fled back to the living room. C-c-c-car-keys! I felt lost for words again. I was able to say, I I think they're in the kitchen, before heading there a little briskly. We have a little basket that sits on a corner shelf where we keep our keys for the shed, the back door and so on. I took the basket off the shelf and searched through them. The man walked slowly into the kitchen after me. It was quite obvious the keys weren't in the basket, but I checked each one anyway. I felt his presence intensely and felt obliged to make a show of effort. I could feel my heartbeat. I found it intensely uncomfortable being around him. I started looking through the envelopes we keep on that same shelf, a little desperately, in case somehow it might be hiding in or behind one of them. I checked the cutlery drawer, but knew it wouldn't be in there. I found myself tapping my fingers on the counter, trying to think of other possibilities. 
I was reluctant to look back at him. I did not like the way he stared at me. You know, I said, facing the cabinets in front of me, I'm not entirely sure where I put them. He didn't respond, so I let my head turn, giving him a sideways glance. He had pulled off his hood, making his pale face and sharp stare somehow even more intense. It's hard to describe exactly what it felt like when he looked at me. It gave me a low feeling, a dreadful feeling. He just kept staring. It made me want to stare at my feet, crawl somewhere and hide. Let me... I'll have a look around, and I'll be back in a moment. I walked past him to the stairs. Have to get home, he said suddenly. Sure, I said back to him. Of course. Then I turned around and almost walked into Catcher, who was coming down the steps. What's the matter? she asked. You nearly made me jump out of my skin, I said. Who's that? she said quietly, looking over my shoulder. I ushered her into the living room and pushed the door to. You remember last summer I found those keys? What keys? The keys I found while walking the dog. I don't remember any keys. I put a post about them online, remember? Do you know where I put them? I don't remember any keys. I don't know what you're talking about. Look, the man has come to pick up the keys that I found, but I can't find them now. I don't know where I put them. She shrugged her shoulders. I don't know anything about any keys. I'm trying to get us ready for our holiday. Who is this person? I don't know. He just said he was here to get the keys. If it was last year, why is he here now? I don't know. He just showed up. Why are you sweating? Sweating? I felt my brow. I actually feel very cold. You better not be getting sick. Not before we get on that plane. I just want to find these keys and get rid of him. I'm busy getting the kids ready, she said. Teddy has lost his Fitbit charger, and Erica can't zip up a suitcase because she's packed too many outfits. Just tell him to come back. If he's waited all year, he can't be that desperate for them. I looked towards the door and then back at Katya. I wiped the sweat off my forehead. Well, I... Katya rolled her eyes. Fine, I will tell him. She pulled open the door. She approached the man with her arm outstretched, ready to shake his hand. Hi, I'm Katya. What's your, um... I'm making eye contact with that bleak face. I saw her confidence quickly drain away. I saw her take her hand back. He remained still. I'm sorry about this, she said, trying to recover, hands now placed in her pockets. We, me and my family, we are actually getting ready to go on holiday today. My name's Chris. Yes, Chris, hello, I'm Katya. And myself and my family, we're getting ready to go to the airport today. So we don't really have time to look for the keys. I've got to get home, he said, raising his voice. We're not sure where your keys are. His eyes suddenly darted from side to side. He started drawing in deep breaths. He looked like he was beginning to panic. We'll promise we'll keep looking for them, uh, but not until we get back. I've got to get home. Got to get home. 
Katya took a few steps back. The temperature seemed to have dropped a few degrees more. But we don't really have time now. Running out of time! Got to get them to football! He took a sudden step towards her. Got to get them to football! Okay, okay. We'll get them to football, okay. She said in a calming, albeit confused tone. She came back into the living room, looking a little shell-shocked. Her arms were folded. She could feel the cold too. I tried to warn you, I said. What time is it? I checked my phone. It's 10.38. Where did you have them last? The keys? Yes, the fucking keys. You must have some idea. I don't know. Maybe they're in my office somewhere. Did you check the junk drawer? No, I didn't, I said, feeling foolish. Fine, you check there, and I'll look in your office. Before I could argue, she was charging up the stairs, leaving me to go awkwardly back into the kitchen. We'd squeezed a narrow dresser in the porch area by the back door. I should have thought of the drawer earlier, but it's just one of those things you try to forget, because otherwise you might have to do something about it. He watched me as I walked through. I'm just going to check this drawer, I said. I'm sure it must be in here. But the drawer was hard to open. It was so packed full of junk. And as I rummaged around inside, trying to shift whatever was causing it to get stuck, I saw him shuffle over to me, watching what I was doing intensely. I stopped being careful. I picked up handfuls of fish sauce capsules, chopsticks and batteries and let them fall to the floor. The sound they made hitting the tile seemed to carry like it had an echo. I got the drawer open fully and continued to lift out coasters and salt packets and Allen keys. I thought there was a good chance of them being in there, but they weren't. He was watching me, right over my shoulder. He was going to see that they weren't there and start making a scene again. I grimaced and turned slowly to look at him. But he wasn't there. He was wandering into the living room. I went after him. I didn't want him loose in other parts of the house. He was still dripping water and had left a trail all the way up to the mantelpiece. He saw me and raised his arm, pointing to a picture of my kids. He was trying to speak. He looked almost happy. Kids, he said. He pointed to himself. I have two kids. Yes, I nodded. We have two kids. A boy and a girl. He pointed to himself again. Two boys, he nodded. Got to get boys to football. Yes, I said. If you just come back into the kitchen, we'll find your keys and get you to the football. I awkwardly, hesitantly placed my hand on the back of his shoulder. I expected him to feel strange and cold. Instead, he felt oddly weightless, like there was nothing to him. After returning him to the kitchen, I jogged upstairs. Katya was on the floor in my office. She'd emptied my desk drawers and was now tipping out the folders from my filing cabinet. What are you doing? I'm trying to find these stupid keys. You're mixing up all my files. What do you need all this paper for anyway? It's for work. Bank statements from ten years ago, she said, clutching piles of paper then throwing them to the floor. Did you find it? 
No, although I did find another travel adapter. Oh, what time is it? It's 10.42, I said. She kicked a desk drawer closed and stood back up. What if one of the kids took it somewhere? I asked. Why would they? Teddy's always picking stuff up and putting it down somewhere. We heard the toilet flushing. We went into the hall to see who it was. Erica walked out with her phone held out in front of her. Why is it so cold in here? She said, looking up. Have you finished packing? Mum, chill. I'm watching TikToks about how to pack now. Just don't take so many things. Take some clothes out of your suitcases. But the weather in Aruba, it's hot during the day but gets cold at night. And you guys, you can't tell me how much time we're at the beach or on the road or in town. I need the right cohorts so I can dress up or down if we're like moving from spending time by the pool or going to... Have you seen any keys? I butted in. What keys? Keys, car keys. I don't know where you put your keys. Not my keys. There's a man here looking for his keys. She gave me her what the fuck is wrong with you look. Why are his keys here? Because I found them. He's come to collect them, but I don't know where they are. Aren't we supposed to be going to the airport in like 20 minutes? Yes, we are. Don't shout at me. Erica, said Katya, butting in. We need to find the keys before we go. Teddy might have picked them up and taken them. I need you to go help him look through his room. Ugh, I don't want to go through Teddy's stuff. Don't argue. Just go up there and do it. You mean before I finish packing? I need to know so I don't get it wrong and you start giving me more shit. Language, I snapped. First keys. Go and do it now, Katya commanded. Teddy, she shouted up the stairs. He's not upstairs, said Erica. Then where is he? Seen him take his case downstairs. Had he ever come back up again? You start, I'll go find him, I said. I went downstairs, and before I reached the last step, I saw Teddy sprint past the window. He was in the garden. I walked into the kitchen towards the back door. The man turned towards me. Still looking, I said. I'm sure they'll turn up. I closed the back door behind me. Teddy, who'd been jogging in a circle, changed course and sprinted towards me. What are you doing? I asked. It's supposed to be getting ready. I need to get my 10,000 steps before I get on the plane. Teddy was obsessed with fitness stats. Did you find your Fitbit charger? Mum said it was the same as Eric's hair curler charger, and she'd make her let me use it. Fine, but I need you to come inside and help me with something. But I've still got 3,000 steps to do. You can run around at the airport. Do you remember picking up any keys? You and Mum won't let me have any keys. That's because you pick things up and put them down and don't remember where you've put them. I think you might have picked up some keys I found last year, and now a gentleman is here to get them. You always blame me when you lose something. I do not, Teddy. That was just that one time. Now come inside. He stroppily made his way back into the house. Where's the stuff all over the floor? He asked, while taking his shoes off. I'll tell you later, come on. The man was staring at him. Teddy froze to the spot. Come on, Teddy, I said, giving him a push. Got to get them to the football. Yes, yes, I know. I'm sure we'll find them, I said, as upbeat as I could manage. 
As I led Teddy back to the stairs, he whispered, Dad, who's that? I don't know, Teddy. He just wants his keys. I need you to search your room in case they're in there. He looks weird. I know. I don't like him. That's why I want to get him out of here. Ideally, I check my phone. In the next 11 minutes. Erica's in your room now. Help her look for them. He turned around sharply. Erica's in my room? Yes. Find the keys first and she'll get out. Tell your mother I'm searching the living room. I crept back downstairs and closed the living room door behind me. I started my search by taking the cushions off the sofa, looking down the back of it and under it. All I found was Monty hiding behind the back. He looked like he was trembling, and he wouldn't come out when I called for him. I looked around the TV stand in the cupboard beneath, looked around and behind all the things on the bookshelves and the mantelpiece. There was nothing. Where the hell could they be? I didn't remember picking them off or putting them anywhere. I literally hadn't seen them since the day I found them. I was sure of it. But they had to be somewhere. They wouldn't have been thrown away. If we kept looking, we'd find them. You can find a needle in a haystack if you look for long enough. It was 10.51. We had nine minutes. I could hear something from the kitchen. I opened the door a little to listen. The man was humming something. He had started to pace a little. He moved like a Victorian prisoner wearing leg irons. He looked like he might fall to bits. That's all we'd need. Stuck here waiting for an ambulance. The tune he was humming was familiar. I couldn't place it, but I knew I'd heard it before. I slipped back upstairs. Catcher had finished searching in my office and it looked like a bomb had gone off. I couldn't bear to look at it. It would take forever to sort it out. I could hear Erica and Teddy fighting on the second floor. I jogged up there and asked, Find anything? Erica spilt my Lego, cried Teddy. Mum said to look everywhere. But did you find anything? They're not here, sulked Teddy. Then search Erica's room. What? said Erica. I'm going to throw your clothes everywhere, said Teddy, leaping over a pile of bricks and running into the hall. Erica chased after him while I headed to the master bedroom. Catcher had been emptying out the wardrobes and searching all my coat, trouser and shirt pockets. Tell me you've found them. No sign, I said. She came right up to me. I have been planning this holiday for over six months. I'm searching just as hard as you are. Why did you bring those keys home in the first place? I was trying to do something nice. I was trying to do the right thing. Nice. You're always so nice. We've got seven minutes left before we're supposed to be leaving. They're here somewhere, I said. Where else is there to look? Try the shed. You spend enough time in there hiding from the rest of us. Maybe it's there. I do not go there to hide. I mumbled as I walked out the room and headed back downstairs once again. I was starting to get worn out by those damn stairs. He was still humming his tune in the kitchen as I dashed through. Still looking, I said hurriedly. To football! Promised the new ball! I crossed the lawn and went into the shed. The idea that I'd try and spend time here. This was the most cramped and most cluttered space in the house. Only the attic was more full of junk than here. Oh God, what if we'd accidentally boxed it up with something we'd taken up to the attic? We couldn't have done, could we? 
When was the last time we'd put something up there? It was 10.54. Six minutes. We were rushing so badly there was no way we could be searching thoroughly at this speed. But what else could we do? I pulled boxes of nails, screws and tools off their shelves to see inside. I rummaged around old paint cans, boxes of spare tiles, tubs of weed killer. I shook bags of old grout and compost. This was insane. And then, as if from nowhere, I suddenly remembered where I'd heard that tune before. You'll Never Walk Alone. Anthem of Liverpool FC. By Jerry and the Pacemakers. Because he was a fucking Liverpool fan, I'd forgotten that the keys had Liverpool keyring. It was 10.58. This couldn't go on. With screws and nails all over the place, I left the shed and looked up at the upstairs windows, hoping to see someone there jumping up and down with joy that they'd found them. No such luck. I ran across the grass and back inside, going through the kitchen, past the man without saying a word. I found Teddy sitting near the top of the first flight of stairs. Teddy, what are you doing? He was staring down at the man, and the man was staring back at him. Teddy? I shook him a little by the shoulders. He turned his eyes up at me. You're supposed to be looking for the keys. Dad, he said, leaning towards me. Is that man dead? What? I made him get up and go onto the landing. Has he died? Of course not, Teddy, I said shakily. Of course not. Why would you say that? He looks like a zombie. There are no such things as zombies, Teddy. I could hear the lack of confidence in my own voice. We just need to give him his keys so he can go away. So we need to keep looking. Then up again to the next landing. My legs were aching. The detritus from hours of searching had spilled out of the rooms and across the hallway. I could already hear Katya swearing before I reached the bedroom. You haven't found it, have you? She said. I shook my head. She howled with frustration. What time is it? It's eleven, said Erica, sitting on the floor in the hall. I've given us extra time to get there in case there's traffic, I said. We still have time. No, she started calmly. There isn't time. We need to go now. You have to go and tell him that we can't find the keys and that we're going now. But we already tried. Try harder, losing the calm. I've earned this holiday. Just two weeks. Once a year. To relax. To have a little bit of time where I'm not constantly having to pick up after everyone and organise everyone all the time. But what am I supposed to do? Put your foot down. Take control for once. Stop hiding. Stop being so damn nice. We're going on holiday. We shouldn't be flying anyway, said Erica. The carbon footprint from every flight is like, Don't you fucking start that with me again, Katya screamed. I don't think he's going to leave, I said. But before she could yell at me, I relented. I'll try, okay? I'll try. I started to walk down the stairs. Everything was quiet now. All the frantic noise of scurrying about and searching had stopped. All I could hear was the creaking of every stair beneath me as I took each footstep. 
I could hear the family congregating on the top landing. They were getting ready to listen to what was about to happen. I felt like I was taking a long, slow walk towards a firing squad. His eyes locked onto mine immediately as I turned onto the final flight of stairs, as if somehow he'd been watching me the whole way down. I felt sweat cross my whole body. My heartbeat gained speed. Anxiety buzzed in my chest. I placed my feet on the floor at the bottom. He said nothing. I drew in a deep breath. It's bad news, I'm afraid. We've taken a good long look, and we can't seem to find your keys anywhere. Tears fell from both his eyes. I'm really sorry, but we can't. Got to get home! Seem to find them. Get the kids to football! We have to get on Back our... Back home for 6.30! To the airport and catch our... Got to get home! The force knocked me backwards. Get the kids to football! I went to grab the banister but missed. I fell against the bottom steps. He stood over me. Back for dinner at 6.30! Glasses shattered in the kitchen. The mirror cracked in the hall. Pictures started to fall off the walls. I put my hands over my ears, closed my eyes, looked away. I found it! Came a voice. We both locked up the stairs. Loud footsteps were heading down to us. Teddy appeared on the landing. He had the keys in his hand and jogged to the bottom. I got to my feet, took the keys from him and handed them straight to the man. And he took them with both his hands cupped like he was being handed something precious and delicate. Where did you find them? I asked Teddy. They'd fallen behind the toilet, he said and it all fell into place. I could see myself carrying them, placing them down on the shelf above the loo, forgetting to pick them back up again, and then someone else knocking them off while they were reaching for a new roll of toilet paper, keys landing behind the loo, where no one would think to look for them. Good work, Teddy, I said, and then I turned back to the man, who was gone. I looked up and down the hall, in the kitchen and in the living room. He'd vanished. Katja and Erica were creeping down the stairs. Is he? Katja began. Can't see him anywhere, I said. She reached the bottom and, like me, felt the need to have a good look around. When it became apparent that there was no sign of him, she swung towards me. Then let's get the hell out of here. I want everyone downstairs with their suitcases and in the car in the next two minutes tops. Go! The three of them piled back upstairs. Still feeling shell-shocked, I lingered at the bottom. I took another look around, worried that he might suddenly show up somewhere. He genuinely seemed to have disappeared into thin air. To my surprise... My espresso from earlier was still there on the counter. It had been pushed across the surface, had struck the back wall, spilling a little, but it was essentially intact. I picked it up and swallowed the whole thing. It was cold, but it put a little spark back into me, because I felt faint. 
I felt empty. I felt like I didn't have the strength to make it to the end of the road, never mind to the airport and beyond. The sound of a sudden bang made me jump. Looking down the hall, I could see that the front door had blown open. Feeling my heart rate rise again, I crept over to it. I had pushed it closed before. I knew I had. I noticed the trail of water the stranger had brought with him as he'd walked through the house. And as I stood in the doorway, looking outside to the car, I noticed that the drips stopped right by the door. It was a clear, dry day outside. There were no signs of any water droplets past the front doorstep, and there were no drips on the whole path up to the house. I heard the sound of suitcase wheels clattering on the floor. Get them to the car, cried Katya. Go, go! I put my cases in first thing. Erica's were loaded in, followed by Katya's with Teddy's on top. I then went into the living room and had to drag Monty out from behind the sofa by his collar. Once out, he made a runner for the front door. Erica caught him on the driveway and we managed to get him into the car. With the three of them all waiting on the back seat, me and Katya stood in the kitchen. Wi-Fi off? Yes. Heating off? Yes. Back door locked? Yes. The house looked like we'd been burgled the day after an earthquake. That aside, we were ready to go. Let's get the hell out of here. She turned around and slipped on the wet floor. One knee went down against the tile with a crack that made me shudder. Are you all right? I cried, going to her. She tried to stand up. I'm okay, she said in pain. Let me help you. No, just go, just go. I'll catch up. I ended up waiting for her in the car watching uncomfortably as she struggled out the door, locked it behind her, and hobbled her way to the passenger side door. I realised I'd forgotten to pack the other adapter I'd found. I decided I'd just buy one at the airport. It was 11.11 when we pulled off. All things considered, it could have been much worse. The early signs were good. There were no delays as we travelled down the high street and towards the main road. We didn't get caught behind any buses or stopped at any of the crossings. Things were calm, peaceful. I was feeling more and more confident that we'd make it. It didn't even register when I started driving down Woodside Road, making our way slowly to the spot by the park where I'd found the keys. Nothing seemed strange to me when I started to hear music. It started to rise as if from nowhere. I hadn't noticed Katya put on the radio. It didn't sound like it was coming from Erica's phone. I didn't think much about it as it faded in slowly, growing in volume. The weather seemed to take a turn. The sky seemed much darker. I could hear the pitter-patter of raindrops, although no rain seemed to be striking the windscreen. In the distance I saw a man. He was wearing a heavy coat. He was taking off his headphones and pulling up his hood. He carried the headphones in one hand. His other arm had something tucked under it. He was running along the pavement, trying to escape the downpour. He was getting closer. The thing under his arm. I could see now that it was a football. Then he tripped. The ball slipped from his grip and bounced ahead of him. 
It bounced on the pavement and then against a parked car and then into the road. He stumbled after it, jumping off the pavement, rushing onto the tarmac. I slammed on the brakes. The car shrieked. We came out of our seats. Rubber burned. The car stopped. The shrieking stopped. We thumped back into our seats. Behind us, cars screeched, coming to a stop one after the other. Everyone took a deep breath. What the fuck? screamed Catcher. Horns erupted, long, loud and obnoxious. The spell was broken. The sky was clear again. The sun was out. There was no rain, no ball, no man, no music. There was nothing ahead of us. The road was all clear. What's the matter? Katya said. I thought... I thought I saw something. Get a hold of yourself. We're only trying to get to the airport. Thank you for listening to the New Ghost Stories podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast and want to support what I do, please like, comment or leave a review on any platform and subscribe to hear future releases. You can also support the show by becoming a patron and visiting patreon.com slash stories. The show is written and produced by me, David Paul Nixon. If you'd like to read more from me, visit my substack, newghoststories.substack.com and you can also find me on Instagram, Threads, Mastodon, Facebook and the website formerly known as Twitter, at New Ghost Stories. Next time on the New Ghost Stories podcast, in the end, we all come to dust. <laughs>